Well, as God wills, Hidden Treasures is back on again. Uh, it's another interesting and informative aspect of truth to speak about. Have you heard? Is there more to the Word of God than just words on the page? Join us for an in-depth journey into the truth of God by means of open, Socratic conversation. In Proverbs chapter 2, the Word of God says, If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Hidden Treasures Revealed. Well, Sean, lousy morning. How are you doing today? <laughs> this is a well-timed podcast topic because of the last maybe 48 hours that contentment is a, uh, a, a well, contentment with godliness is a very good subject because of just some struggles having that um, on the blessing side that everything is a blessing and there's lessons to learn on. If you don't have struggles, how do you learn to be content? So that just, so I'm doing pretty good and just, I'm just a, a good, just, just falls right in place of what I've been, um, just as a help. Well, it's interesting because right before we came on, I was just thinking about, all right, when we get on, I, I'll say good morning to Sean. And then I was like, why do we say morning? Is that a, uh, is that a command or a statement? I mean, honestly, do we even know why when you say good morning to somebody, are you telling them that you're having a good morning or are you uh, commanding to them that they need to have a good morning? And again, it's just one of those, you know, one of those random thoughts that come from time to time that, well, am, I, do I really know why I say good morning? Is it, is it something that we've been programmed as a, what they call a pleasantry to just say good morning? Because I never actually really thought about it before, but you go into work. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. But I never really sat back and evaluated. A am I telling? And it's interesting because recently at the the uh, girls at the office that I work at, I come in and if I say, like, sometimes I'll say good morning. And I'll say, that's not an option. That's a command. <laughs> uh, but in the general sense... Why do you say good morning uh, when it's morning or good evening, when it's evening or good afternoon when it's afternoon? And I'm not saying it's inappropriate to use those things. The concept of what we talk about when we talk of control and all the, the various different things is for, for us to know why we do what we do. 
And again, this is just coming up to show just a little bit more of the brainwashing and mind control that we have, just like we had talked about not too long ago about the uh, saying, God bless you, when somebody sneezes. And you really don't know why, you don't know where that came from, but it's a similar concept. Or what about this one? Have a good uh, And I think I saw in a movie one time kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek thing. A good one what? What's one? Have a good one. Now, we know that from the perception of it, it's have a good day. But, again, it's not my determination whether you have a good day or not. It's yours. Go ahead. Could it be we feel obligated to acknowledge ourselves? Because if I don't acknowledge them, then they'll think that I'm ignoring them. I don't care about them. I've even just take the good off, just say morning or evening. We just think it's a courteous thing to greet somebody. And do you have to have a greeting of somebody? It'd be like, sometimes we'll get in the car to go walking. We don't say anything right off the bat. And I had a few times like, well, should we say something or not? And it's like, but if you don't have anything to say, do you need to say anything? Like, why do we feel like, well, if, why do I need, I'm just thinking about me. Why do I into, why do I think I need to say something? or not say something, if something needs to be said, then say it. If something doesn't, don't say it. Like, do we have anything in the word of God where Messiah was going around saying, good morning, how are you? How are you doing today? And I'm not saying you flat out ignore somebody. Like, I'm I'm not going to look your way. I'm not going to say anything, but is it necessary to say anything? Because I I watched a little clip on YouTube with a guy talking about meditation, and he says, people get all bent out of shape because they don't have anything to say. And he says, if you don't have anything to say, don't say anything. But somebody may, may think, well, that just seems strange. Like you don't speak to somebody, you're being rude to them. Well, no rude is, is a, is an attitude or an action towards somebody. So why this is a good, I hadn't thought about this. What the reason are we looking for attention acknowledgement that there's something there. It isn't. And yes, it is programming, but whatever the programming is, it's not, I don't see people like, I'm going to make sure that I tell somebody a good morning. Cause I really want to, because of this, this, and this, I just see it as it's just a, well, it's just what courteous people do. And yeah, but we don't, we don't have anything in the word of God where it says when you, now we do have something that says, um, and not necessarily a command of God, but just a Paul that greet the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. That's not, because even Paul made a distinction at times that that the Lord, not I, but the Lord, and then he'll say, not the Lord, but but me. That's just him in the congregation. Hey, you know, greet each other, but it, it's not a, a, a demand. So just interesting thoughts on this. Right. Well, that's uh, why what Judas did was I... Uh, unexcusable. I, I mean, obviously because he betrayed Messiah, but also because he did it with that aspect of a holy kiss where he greeted Messiah, but his intention to be there wasn't a good intention. And how did Messiah greet him? 
get done what you have to do. Go ahead and get on with it. You know, because it is a programming thing that you have to, when you see somebody, you have to say something or, yeah, I mean, it's that's programmed in us. And, I, again, start? why did it start? Because uh, the reality is, is that if you come to my house and you come in the door and I didn't kick you back out, then you're welcome. If you weren't welcome here, the door would have been locked. You you wouldn't you wouldn't have been able to come in. So we just there's a lot of things, just little things, and it doesn't have a bearing neither here nor there on a faith perspective. But what it does is it shows you that you're brainwashed, that you're. Uh, you're controlled by the things that you've been taught without even knowing what it means, why it means, and is it really appropriate to carry out that behavior or not? And so just the uh, interesting perspective because people will get offended if they come in and you don't say anything. And it's like at uh, work, I have this one girl that every time, like if I leave and then I come back into the building, every time she'll say, welcome back. Well, she doesn't have to say welcome back every time because if I wasn't welcome back, They'd lock the door so I couldn't get back in. And if I tried to get in, they'd call the police. And I would know that I'm not welcome back there. Uh, you don't have to tell somebody, welcome back. And some of this really has to do with what uh, somebody thinks manners are. Well, you got to say thank you for when somebody does something for you, you say thank you. Well, really, what good does me saying thank you do for you anyway? Now, yeah, it it gives you what you wanted, which you gave me the thing because you wanted to feel good. And when I give you the thank you, that allows you to feel good. But if I don't thank you, then you start second guessing. And my thanks to you should be the fact that you see me whatever it was you gave me that you see me using it and using it quite often. Well, that shows that I appreciate it and I have it. And again, I'm not removing the fact of you saying thank you to somebody that you showing appreciation. That's I'm not saying what I'm saying is, is for those listening that want to seek God with all of their heart, that want to know the truth we have to be self-controlled. And the only way to be self-controlled is that your mind knows what's in your subconscious, your, your unconscious mind. And then that comes together in your soul. So it's not a fact of don't say these things or don't do these things. If you do them, figure out why you do them so that if somebody were to ask you, why do you say good morning? 
then you can say, oh, well, I say good morning because I really I want to encourage people to have a good morning um, or, you know, whatever you know consciously that's in your subconscious that you're able to tie the two together and say, I have a reason for doing what I'm doing. And that's the, the key thing is having a reason because a lot of times you'll do something with your mind, but the reason you do it, you have no idea because it's subconscious. And this is why you have to dig into your subconscious, dig into the what you're not conscious of to be able to see it so that you can decide whether you're going to make a change or you're going to keep that thing and just make corrections with whatever it is. Because the whole objective, uh, we don't remove mind control with the aspect of God. What we do is we control our own mind instead of just listening to others and letting them control our mind. And that's why we've said many times before, and we'll say it many times in the future, that this isn't about you listening to us and agreeing with it and saying, yeah, that, that, that sounds good. That's right. No, because then you're letting us be part of your programming where we should be part of your evaluation for your programming. Then you evaluate it. You go to the word of God. You talk to God. You figure it out. And then you say, okay, that I agree with. So that's what I'm going to I'm going to do. And then every time that subject comes up, that's what you do. And every time you do it, you're placing it in your subconscious for muscle memory when you get when you've done enough of it that you automatically know what to do and how to do. And we've spoken about this before, that your subconscious is the heart of who you are. It's, it's what the Bible talks about as the heart of a person. Uh, and you can correlate it to the human heart, the, the actual physical hearts you have in you, that as that heart allows uh, physical blood to course through your, your veins, then you, your love, your subconscious is, pushing out it, your thoughts are in essence, the blood that are being pushed into your body. And if those thoughts are good, that's, that's fine. And if they're not, it's not, and you need to change something. But if the thoughts good, but you don't know why you do it, it's still not functional because you need to know why you do what you do. And so the, lower conscience is where your muscle memory is. You, you don't like with your heart in your, your body, you don't have to tell your heart what to do. It automatically beats and it pushes that blood through your body. And because that's the, the job that it has. Well, in similar fashion, your heart, your subconscious is there because that's where you store all your muscle memory. That's the consciousness that's below the surface is all the fundamentals of whatever you've learned, whether they're good or bad. It's all in your subconscious. And 
That's why you just act on things instead of thinking about it ahead of time and then acting because a lot of people don't recognize that they're brainwashed and, well, I feel like I want to act this way, but why do I want to act this way? What's driving this? What is the purpose behind it? And then you can start digging into your heart and you can start settling the issues because God's intention for the human condition is that your conscious mind controls what you allow into your muscle memory, which is going to rest in your heart. And then what comes out will be good. That's why it says what comes out of the mouth is the overflow of the heart. And if you listen, just listen to people when they speak, you don't have to tell them about it or say anything, but you listen to people when you, when they speak and they tell on themselves They they will tell a story about themselves without even realizing that's what they did because they're not tying together the conscious and the subconscious. People think that, well, it's subconscious. It's, I don't have control over that. And so there's nothing I can do about it. No, that's the problem. You don't have control of your subconscious and therefore it's a problem where by you recognizing what's going in, what you're doing as muscle memory, when you recognize that, then you can start to know, I'm going to do an evaluation. I'm going to take every thought captive and make it submissive to Messiah. So no, that right there is not appropriate. So I'm not going to practice that behavior. And if I don't practice that behavior, it won't go into my heart. It's whatever behavior you practice is what goes into your heart. And this is, this is why people can't get away from something that they want to get away from. They, they, it could be uh, an abusive relationship. It could be an addiction. It could be many different things that they can't get away from. And it's because they don't recognize that they are not in control of their muscle memory. A situation comes up. And they just act on it because that's what they've been trained their whole life to act like. And they've seen other people act out in that situation and they act the same way. They kind of do it like a uh, mimicking somebody else. And then when you do that, you don't think about all the times you practice that, that that's going into your heart. And with this faith in God, we want people to know that you need to be conscious of what you're programming in your heart, because that way, when you are programming the good stuff of God in your heart, that is what will overflow. And the good stuff of God is everything that's of God, whether it feels good or not. It's all good because it's for the benefit of not only you, but everybody who's going to be in the kingdom. And so, you know, again, and this is why people don't understand and recognize cognitive dissonance, because what they don't understand is their mind is fighting against their lower conscience and your subconscious will win every time unless you're taking control of your subconscious and you're not letting those actions or those behaviors come out until you evaluate it, make sure it's appropriate, 
and then handle it in a right way. Other than that, that the, the battle that people have is between their subconscious, their muscle memory, what they've been taught their whole life, what they've seen in other people. And they don't have in that condition, you don't have the ability to change what's in your heart. So you and you can change things in your heart from a worldly perspective, and people do. They'll be friends with somebody. Something will happen, and now they're enemies. Okay, well, you just changed your heart. You just changed in your lower conscience because what do you do every time you see that person? Every time that person's name comes up, you 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 grumble or you say something or you, ah, gosh, I can't stand that person. Gosh, I can't stand that person. Gosh, I can't stand that person. And somebody who was your best friend can become your greatest enemy because you programmed yourself to do that. We don't need to have any enemies here. The The only enemy that we're concerned about is the enemy of God. If I view I don't have any enemies here, even if you attack me, we'll leave it in God's hands. It's it's God. God will take care of it. God's going to do things. I don't need to defend myself. But your programming from the world is you got to defend yourself. Well, it's your right. It's fair. Well, that's because you're leaning on human understanding. Because it says in the, the Bible, why not rather be wronged? If you have faith in God and you're trusting God, why not rather be wronged? So that you're trusting that God's going to take care of the situation and you don't have to worry about it. Paul didn't whine and complain about being stoned and drug out of the city. No, he trusted God so much that he got right back up. Once they laid hands on him, he got right back up and went right back into the same city that they stoned him and drug him out of and continued to preach the message of truth. He didn't go back in there, oh, I'm going to make them pay now and I'm going to burn the city down and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat up everybody that I come across. No. He, he was trusting God in the process of that. And that was, it's just really important that just as a for a human condition for you to be able to control at least from a worldly perspective things that go into your lower conscience and you do and you don't realize that's what you're doing when you just accept what somebody says because it sounds good as truth instead of where's the verification where are the witnesses we're the ones that will testify to this so that I can know it's true for I put it in. And unfortunately, in this world with a lot of kids growing up in the world and even us, you're programmed by what you see your parents do and they let you know by their actions what's acceptable and what's not. Well, they teach you that you can't lie, but you lie because you, they, they get on you when you lie, but you see them lie throughout your whole life. When 
they lie to you about Santa Claus and they lie to you about the uh, tooth fairy and they lie to you about all these fictitious characters. And then that little kid lies and then he gets in trouble. So what's he learn? Well, be shrewd with your lies. Make your lies be so people don't see that they're lies. And then you'll be okay. And it's like, no, you, you, if you want to teach somebody don't lie, then don't lie yourself. If you want to teach somebody don't steal, then don't steal because this hypocrisy comes from. And just in a family relationship in the world, set God aside, just in a family relationship in the world with what's going on from the programming is kids are raised to be hypocrites. Because they're told one thing by their parents, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that right there, you're, you're, you're a hypocrite and you're teaching your child to be a hypocrite. And when you see them do that hypocritical thing, you'll get on them about it without even seeing your own hypocrisy and what you're doing. And it's it's a shame because the it's a world, and it's a worldly world. And a lot of people claiming faith in God are still living in the worldly world, being of the worldly world, not being uh, separated from it, not being in the world but not of the world. They're being in the world and being of the world, but they're claiming this faith in God because they've been programmed that all you got to do is just do this one thing. And that's what you have. Or in not just Christianity, other religions as well, because those things are passed down. And again, the same thing with the true faith in God, it's passed down, but the objective is, is that it's passed down by truth on top of truth on top of truth. So that when somebody's programmed in the truth of God, then it's normal to them. It's like Victoria growing up uh, ever since she was 10 years old, hearing about the spirit being female. And well, that's what her programming is. That's what her brainwashing is. But ask her and she'll tell you that it's the only thing that makes perfect sense in the midst of it. Uh, And some of that is that she believed it because we've been saying it so much, but she's uh, coming to a place in faith of being able to look at it and say, yeah, that is true. That So what I've been taught, that is true. Well, there's a lot of stuff we did prior to faith that she needs to go through as well and say, well, this, what my parents did wasn't appropriate. And there are times when we recognize things, when I'll recognize that I did something when they were younger that it wasn't appropriate, and I'll tell them. I'll say, look, this is is why you do this is because I did this. And at the time, I didn't know. I didn't understand. I didn't have this understanding of how you can control what's in your subconscious, and therefore, it was inappropriate. um, I've... I see that I recognize it and I'm making sure that I don't act in that way again, uh, because it's important that we remove hypocrisy 
from our lives. It's again, if you're going to tell somebody to escape the world, the worldly perspective of sin by having faith in God, and yet you still confess that you sin, then you're a hypocrite. Now, in the beginning part of the journey, when when you're at repentance, you sin, but you have the forgiveness of sins. But that has to carry out to the end. And because your subconscious is based in muscle memory, it's just what you've done your whole life, so you don't think about it. You don't evaluate it. A situation comes up, and you just act. And a lot of times people will just fire out with their defenses, and then after they said something, they'll be regretting what they said, just like the song, If I Could Turn Back Time, If I Could Find a Way. I'd take back all the things. Here's the thing. If you could turn back time, you would just repeat the same behavior because you can't go back without have, you can't go back having the information that you already learned through that situation. You would go right back to where you were and you would do it all over again. So don't stop thinking about if I could just turn back time, if I could just go back, I could make this right. No, you can make it right now by repentance and forgiveness. That's how you can make it right now. Well, we had, and we've been talking about repentance for a long time, but we put it back on what you called the front burner here recently. With what you're saying, I had a thought about repentance. The reason that Abba will forgive your sins when you're walking in repentance is because even though you still sin, and Yah knows that because the nature just like a dog or a cat, their nature, unless they were to be changed to a human, that they're still going to do things that their nature says. And when Yah sees that in your mind that you've got that full commitment to getting away from sin, doing everything you possibly can, and they see you actually doing that, that's why the door is open to forgive because I see that you're committed, you agree with me, and you're absolutely 100% in your mind steadfast that you're not going to sin anymore. And that's why Messiah said, go and sin no more. That he knew that until sacrifice, so that circumcision of the heart could be given to him and and everyone that has faith in him by mother, that you're only capable of the repentance part of it. So that's when you have forgiveness of sins. It isn't just saying, the godly sorrow, and I'm sorry, and you repent and you turn to God, it's proving the repentance by your deeds that when you sin, no, I'm not in agreement with and against God. I'm not accepting it. It's not right. I'm not doing it again. That is what will bring the forgiveness because God sees that you're committed to that. And how long, how long are you going to stay committed to that? Are you really in it for the long haul? And if you are, then I'll draw you to my son. Then I can show the aspect of obedience. And then the aspect of my beloved with trust. And I actually had a scripture that came to mind in regards to the the upper and the lower conscience where somebody had it in their mind because of their programming that this is the way it's going to be. And it turned out to where it wasn't. 
and it was the rich young man that came up to Messiah because in his programming, well, it, it's it's the law. You keep the commands and you'll get eternal life because that's what, what, what the law says. You know, you um, obey God and, and then he comes to Messiah and what do I need to do to get eternal life? And well, you know, the commands do these and you'll live. Well, I've kept all these. All right. Now, now we're going to dig into your lower conscience because really what your dependency on is on is your riches and you said you've been obedient. So we're really going to see if you, you've been obedient or not. So go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And you could just see the programming getting stirred up of, well, I thought it was going to be easy. I thought that all I had to do was keep the, what do you mean? I've got to give up everything and I don't understand it. Well, and from what we know, he went away and we don't know from there what happened from there. But then Messiah didn't say, oh, no, you got to. No, stay with me. You got to do this. You got to no. go after him. Get him back here. Hey, you better listen to what I said. I told you to go and sell everything. Give it to poor. Why aren't you doing it? What's wrong with you? Why aren't you? No, you don't. You're not willing to obey the son of God. When you came to me and asked me, I didn't come to you. You asked me what must be done. And it's the cognitive dissonance that said, so I've got to give up all this. I, I can't just keep everything I have. And no. It's it's sacrifice. It's a life of sacrifice. And no, you, you have to be willing to give up everything. And people aren't willing to do that. If you're not willing to give up your very life, then you're going to end up looking back if you put your hand to the plow. So it's very important that with the programming, like you were saying, that it's not that we don't have programming. It's what is what is the programming, what is being programmed in because you put the godly in and you have muscle memory for the godly. Well, that's good and functional. There's nothing wrong with programming. It's just that what happens is, is we don't know why we do what we do. And it's not that we can't know why it's just, we haven't been trained to know why it's just when you ask the question to somebody, well, why do you say good morning? The thought that came to mind was, well, that's just what you do. That's an answer, but that's not a good answer. Okay, well, yes, it's what you do, but why do you say it? Does it make you feel good? Does it make you feel accepted? And I thought about this, that so many people, when you go to work, it's an obligation. It's not something you want to do. So it's a, well, if you say good morning, it kind of makes me feel, yeah, I have a little moment of feeling good and go go back to the old grind again because it's just, it's, or it's, or you'll hear like the happy Monday kind of tongue in cheek. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a Monday or it's a rainy day because a lot of people don't like rainy days. Oh, it's just so gloom and doom. It's just dreary. Or you get a sunny day and oh, it's just so beautiful outside. Like on the weather channel, the local channel we watch, oh, it's so beautiful outside. Well, but when it's raining, it's not beautiful. Well, if you don't have rain, then you don't have the green grass and what you consider beauty. If you don't have rain, all of that dries up and dies and you have no beauty. And it's just all in your mindset of it because I've even said out of my own mouth that I enjoy the rainy days, but then I've had, I found myself complaining when, why has it got to be dreary? And well, didn't you say that you like the rainy days? Why does it matter what kind of day it is? But there's something in my past that a rainy day was associated with a feel good, something that to me, it's a good day. And because somebody else it's programmed to where it's not a good day because it's dreary and it's gray. So to them, it's a bad day. 
but it's neither a good day or a bad day. It's just a day. And it's what you put on it. Like we had this, yeah, I gave it to us. It's not that positive and negative exists. It's that's what you put on it. That today is a day because the word says today is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Either if it's raining, snowing, flooding, tornadoes, hurricanes, whatever it is. And, and that's the thing that just here in the last few days, just setting, just setting my mind to get it into my heart steadfast that I'm not living my life anymore for everything to feel good because blessings does not necessarily mean feel good all the time. Blessings means a blessing curses feel good. So it's not about feeling good. And and when I say that, it's not that I'm not going to have feelings or address my feelings, but it just came to mind that, that if something feels good or doesn't feel good, you take it as a blessing or a curse where blessings and curses are blessings and curses, no matter what you feel. The feel good is when you're on the blessing side and you realize it's all a blessing and it's all good, no matter what, it feels good to know that this is the truth of God. And that's what I'm standing on. That's the feel good. Not I physically don't feel good. So there's something going on or this isn't a blessing or because you can be cursed and walk around in your mind feeling great. And man, everything is great. And I'm just, I've got this great job. I've got the money, the family, the trips, the houses, man, life is good. And you're cursed and you don't even recognize it. And that, what is that going to get you? But then when everything is a blessing, wow, I'm so glad that I'm feeling this because it makes me realize that faith isn't about what you feel. Faith is about what you know. It's about truth. And yes, we're called to a life of suffering. You're going to feel things. And the feeling of it is to remind you that, as we're talking about here, that godliness with contentment isn't about feeling good all the time. What did Messiah go through? What did the prophets that were beaten and stoned and sawed into? That stuff didn't feel good physically. But it said that they were willing to go through that because they knew that a better life was to come, that they're not going to renounce their faith because something doesn't feel good. And, and it's, it's deep programming. When you've had your life where you've been depending upon how you feel and if something feels good and how that feeling affects what you do and other things, that it's really, you've got to make a, a mindset to get it into your heart so your heart can change. That faith in God, yes, there are moments when you feel good, but faith in God is not, the sole purpose is not to feel good, it's to do good. And it's the ability with the fullness of deity in Yah is to be holy, which you can be good because the goodness is in you, which is God. And we're called to a life of struggle, but that life of struggle is to help to so that we can obey God and not live of life based on feelings, but live a life based in truth, but still have feelings, but your feelings, your, your feelings are controlled by what you know, not meaning that faith drives the feelings, not feelings driving well, what you do, because we're not, I'm not saying at all that feelings and emotions are not a part of faith or a part of life but not letting that run your life and determine what decisions you make and, and how you make them. And the statement that, that Paul made in Timothy, where godliness with contentment is great gain. 
So there's a, there's a key in that, that it's not only that you, you are godly, but it's with contentment because that's where, and you mentioned this, the trust comes in. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge them and they'll make your path straight. That truly the way to be content is to trust God. Contentment is about trust. So the blessings, which are when you have faith in God, fullness of faith, you everything is a blessing. So even if it feels good, doesn't feel good, that's where the contentment is, is, yeah, I'm going to be content with this. I know this is my lot and my portion. And because it's a blessing, no complaining involved. And if I'm complaining, there's some issue that I've got in my lower conscience to deal with, some kind of programming or whatever. But in the faith in God with blessings, if it's truly a blessing, there's no complaint. There's no room for a complaint. If you complain, then you're not seeing it as a blessing. You're still seeing it as a curse or it's something that's not fair. Well, the things that Yah does are fair and just. And if you're living in curses or if you're living in blessings, the the feelings aren't what drives it. And I had this thought this morning, and Phil, you may know this, but I cannot think of any scripture, know of any scripture that addresses how Messiah felt, how prophets felt with what they were doing that, well, I'm just so sad today. I'm just angry today. Um, no, it, it's all about truth. And, and once again, I'm not saying that they didn't feel anything, but we don't have scripture that says the believer will feel this. The believer will have this emotion or that emotion. It, it's about the truth of God. It's about living truth and not based in emotion. Just some thought I had on that this morning that there's a scripture that says faith is going to feel good. Faith is going to feel bad. No, it's no, about well, truth. There is actually, if you look at the meat of the scripture, it does tell you that uh, faith is going to feel bad. Messiah even says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, from a feeling perspective, now, does it feel bad? Well, I don't particularly like it, but is it functional? That's the key. Uh, because again, the difference between good and evil is that what is functional and that what is not functional. And so, and functional for the right purpose. It, I mean, there's things that are functional that are not functional for a godly purpose. And therefore it's wickedness because it's not when, when God talks about good and evil compared to them, it's a function in the reality of truth of them, not just in just a reality. So there's many times, I mean, look at Messiah's life. All the times that he was, uh, that, that people were persecuted to persecute him by coming at him and trying to trick him. And then look before he was crucified that he took a beating. Did, you know, did he was, he was, he like all in a happy emotion of, uh, jumping for joy? No, but he had the contentment that God was going to take care of him. So he saw it and knew that it was a blessing because not only was it good for him, it was good for the people. And that's the thing. If Messiah wasn't spared strife in this life, 
who do you think you are that you're going to spare strife in this life? Who gave you the intent to think that you don't deserve to feel things or to hurt at times? That's all determined by the, uh, the way that you respond to it. Yes, this, this hurts. And yes, I feel this, but it's a blessing because it's here for a purpose. Everything that God's, uh, everything for me as I love the Lord is good and functional. And therefore, I'm not going to complain about it. I, I can feel the weight of it. You know, we know that at one point Messiah wept. Yeah, but okay, wept. But he didn't let that control what he was doing. He controlled that aspect. And it's interesting that when we talk about programming and we talk about these things about your subconscious, don't think that you can uh, eliminate your subconscious. You, you can't. It, it, somebody trying to eliminate their subconscious would be like you trying to use a computer without a hard drive. Because your heart is your your hard drive it's your storage device as well so it's your it's your hard drive that all the information is in and then the rest of the computer operates out out of that perspective when you have what's up on the screen view that as your conscious mind but you're only going to be able to see what's on the screen until something else. It's like sometimes we'll be doing the podcast and the computer in its lower conscience, in its uh, hard drive, a notification comes up and it'll bloom and make a noise and uh, catch your attention to look at it. Well, you didn't know that was coming. That just came right up out of the computer and, and put it there. And if we have friends, we... We would say, well, I don't want that to come up while we're doing the podcast. Or I don't want it to come up when I'm in the middle of something. But it's part of the programming. And so whoever programmed the computer programmed it for those updates and those uh, notifications to let you know what it was. But all that's in the hard drive. And your heart, your, your subconscious is the hard drive of the human condition. Your mind is the processing core. It's the processor. What comes out of your mouth is the screen. So, and then what is your power source? Is your power source coming from the world and worldly things and worldly gain? Or is your power source coming from God, which is contentment and trust? And so it's, it is important that people understand that you can't get rid of the subconscious. Well, what good is it? It's, if if I can't consciously think about it, then what good is it? Well, it's it's your hard drive. That that's where all your memories are stuck. That's where all the things that have happened to you in the past are locked in. And a lot of people don't even remember or or um, can't recall things that were done to them in their life that weren't appropriate because their, their conscious mind has put a wall up to say, no, I, I, that, that makes me feel bad. And so I, I don't want to 
feel like that, so I'm not going to visit that. And you do that enough, it just stays buried in your hard drive. It's still there. You you don't know everything that your computer will do. You only know what's up on the screen. And so it's really important, again, that people understand this is about you getting the the bad stuff out of your lower conscience and then you being the programmer getting your information from god from the truth and then you start reprogramming that hard drive so that when whatever comes up on the screen will be godly whatever just like if you whatever you program your computer for that's what's going to come up on the screen when you call something up it's not it can't bring anything else up and it's the same thing with your lower conscience so the object brainwashing and mind control is for you to be uh washing your own brain which is your your conscious and your subconscious mind and making sure that you know what the programming is that you're putting into it, just like whoever programmed this computer that we have here, they know what's in there. They know what they've put in it because they're the programmer. And we want to have the same concept with our computer, which is ourself. Somebody else, we can't control, nor should we try to control what their programming is. What I do with somebody else's programming is learn a little bit more about my programming and then figure out, is that appropriate? Is it not? If it is, I keep it. If it's not, I get rid of it. And if it is appropriate, I keep it. But I have to figure out how to change what's already in the programming of how I viewed that in the past to where now I get to make that change. And this is huge the aspect of the way the scripture is uh, written when it talks about this aspect of contentment with godliness, it's spoken that way for a reason, okay? Because can you have true godliness without contentment? I would even take it the other side as well. Can you have contentment if you don't have godliness? Well, you can. See, that, and the reason I say that is because this is the reason that Paul was bringing this out, is that contentment is something you can do in the world. People do it all the time. People are content with the, their accepting Jesus as Savior. People are content with their... Uh, Islam, people are content with their Hinduism. People are content with their their Buddhism, because it's a uh, it's a content is a place of peaceful satisfaction. But those are places without godliness, because godliness starts to line you up with the reality of truth. And then you can start to pick out of each one of those things that are appropriate, unright, and then get rid of the 90% that is not right, that it's, it's not the right thing to do. 
so it's contentment is something this is a worldly thing that you can find here and you will because there are things that you are content with from a worldly perspective but does it line up with the truth of god how many people are content with accepting jesus as lord and savior but that eliminates you going to Abba, seeing him as a terror, and then repenting to Abba so he can then foreknow you and then bring you to Messiah so you're called to Messiah, then Messiah can deal with you. How can you do that if you don't have it? The, the, there's so much that people don't understand, and it's in the programming that you accepted what somebody said without it without lining it up with the truth and then everybody tries to make this faith in pleasantries you know bless you bless you i'm praying for you uh, i'm praying for those who are in a dark place and that god will take this away and this and it's like no you you're trying to do the nicey nice thing and the best thing for people is when they get in the dark place is for them to be in the dark place until they decide they don't want to be there anymore. And there's no amount of uh, praying and coddling and whatever it is that you think that is you're doing. None of that is going to help that person. The reality of what's going to help that person is the truth. And the truth is you got to, you got to, buck up you gotta you gotta stiffen up you gotta have some grit and determination and you gotta figure this out you gotta figure out how to to do this because you can have contentment in the world and that will give you what that does is that lures you into a false sense of peace but contentment with godliness is and that's why it's put like that, because you can have contentment in the world. The problem is, is you can't reverse that. You can't have godliness in the world without true contentment, without having a sense of peace with God. You can't do it. It's an impossibility. So you can have contentment without godliness, but you can't have godliness without contentment. That's why it says contentment with godliness is great gain. But godliness is not determined by you accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. Godliness is determined by you living godly. And what is godly about sin? Okay, can I be godly if I still sin? And the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be godly. Contentment with godliness. And if I'm godly, I have the fullness of deity and bodily form. If I have the fullness of deity and bodily form, I do not sin. But too many people have become content with the sin in their life. That, well, I accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, so I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm content. I'm in that happy, peaceful place. But if you're truly content, then you're not going to have the times of Man, I, am I really saved? Did 
you know, I, I, I'm doing these things and I shouldn't be doing them. Oh, that's because you have contentment from a worldly perspective, but not contentment from a godly perspective. Because contentment from a godly perspective says, no, I'm, I cannot sin, so I'm, or, or I should not sin, so I'm not, going, I'm not going to sin. I'm going to figure out where I can be in faith, and I'm going to talk to Yah, and I'm going to seek them out until I can discover this, even if it takes till I die. Like the thief on the cross, I will be with him in paradise as long as I'm seeking it out to figure it out. And the contentment, that, that peaceful satisfaction People will show an aspect of contentment in something, but then that contentment will go away when things start to go away. And so just uh, another aspects of importance when we talk about uh, contentment that, yes, you can find places of, of peace, but they're only momentary and temporal. They will only uh, give you a false sense of security in your mind while you're here but without godliness you're not going to be in the kingdom and godliness entails that you must stop sinning it's it's a must came to mind a story of yeshua to the disciples well he was speaking to the people as well I thought about the contentment and the godliness that they were getting on the disciples because they weren't eating with clean hands, that their hands were dirty. And if you want to be clean, clean the inside of the dish, because where the evil lies is in the heart, where there's the murders and the hatred and That's what makes somebody unclean. That's where they're defiled is the sin nature. So clean the inside of the dish and the outside will be clean also. So how can you be content in your mind if you don't have godliness in your heart because it doesn't line up because you're going to have a dirty heart and no matter how much you wash your hands, your heart is still dirty. So it doesn't matter if your hands are dirty that you can cleanse them and cleanse them and cleanse them and see my hands are clean, but in your heart, you're not going to see the kingdom of God because everything inside is corrupt because of the sin nature. So don't be focused on the physical aspect of somebody being clean. And that's because they were stuck about the letter of the law that, well, the law says you do this and you do that. And yeah, the, the law of God says these things, but it's the inside, it's the spiritual nature that that's where the contentment ultimately be get to a place where you have circumcision of the heart, where you can have the inside clean. And then what comes out more and more, cause you still work on your filtering out all that that's been put in there. But what comes out is clean. It's not sin when you do an action because what comes out is clean because the sin nature has been removed, but you still you're working on purging out things out of your lower conscience. So just real quick, yeah. You know, we'll get back to you. I just want to make a correction or a clarification on what I just said because I uh, and the sensibility of what mother was speaking through you. Um, it is it is a reality that you can't have contentment without having faith in God, without having godliness. You can't have true contentment 
uh, you can have contentment with pretense. And as I was thinking about it, I was thinking, well, yeah, in the moment, uh, people can find moments where they feel like they're content, but it will always disrupt and somebody will rain on your parade or, uh, I don't know. I thought there was, I, I'm something that you had seen on somebody's desk at a place you worked where, um, I'm having a good day. Don't ruin it. Well, so you're putting the blame on my day on somebody else. Well, if I'm going to have a good day, it has nothing to do with you. Right. So it's a, it's a aspect of pretense where you're pretending to be content. Um, and I just wanted to make that correction when we recognize that we speak that, that you can, you can do correct. You can do contentment in the world pretense, but without God, it's always going to erupt on you. It's always going to explode. So in reality, it's not truly contentment because if it's contentment, you stay on a steady line, a steady baseline that doesn't get disrupted no matter what some no matter what they do, no matter how they treat you. So I just wanted to make that correction. And you were, uh, you were right in speaking that with true faith uh, is where contentment is truly found. Well, and it, what it is, it just came to mind is, is we've had this in our, our gathering too, that it is, it is a pretending because what do you do when you want, when somebody says, how you doing? And you put on the mask, oh, doing great. And there's that smiley face mask that, and then you, when you go by yourself, you take the mask off and you're, people are getting on my nerves and, Hey, how's it going? And there goes the mask again. Cause you're pretending to be content. Are you doing all right? You ever had this? Cindy will say, Phil, Phil, you doing okay? Yep. Doing. Um, yeah, I'm all right. But are you all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I told you I'm okay. And well, I can tell by your body language that you're, and this was just coming to mind because the statement doesn't say godliness when you have godliness that you're perfected in contentment it says godliness with contentment so it's still a reprogramming because things will come up and you complain no i'm not going to complain because this is what's i'm not going to complain i'm going to be content well and that's the thing the more you put the godly in the godliness with like you put it together is great gain because and Josh had brought this up to me the other night about going to the opposite. We could say it this way as the opposite. Godliness without contentment is great loss or worldliness with contentment is great loss because there really is no contentment. It's just a suppressing of whatever is bothering the person. But the inside of the dish being clean, Messiah is talking about deal with the sin and ultimately stop sinning because that's where the chaos lies. And the chaos of anybody is always internal. I had this thought this morning that true peace is internal, that chaos and peace is internal. And no matter what anybody says to you, does to you, whatever circumstance happens in your life, True faith in Yah, we are not to excuse or blame somebody else because you could beat me, strike me, say foul language to me, 
and I let it affect me. So my peace is in my control, just as the chaos that put chaos to death, that peace is destroying the authority attached to chaos. So to have peace, chaos has to be destroyed and it will always be internal. Just once again on on the teaching of Messiah that clean the inside of the dish, destroy the chaos that's internal, and you'll have contentment. Because in your conscious mind, you'll have that peace. And I'm gonna I want to go back to the computer aspect because I'm sure they do make PCs still, but mostly it's probably laptops that people are buying unless it's maybe a business. But Phil, I'll ask you this because we'll we'll go back not too far. Let's just say the, the Dell PC and you go to your files and you know, those screens where you'll go up and you'll pull up a file page and it'll have a huge list of file folders. All right. And you, let's just say it says miscellaneous. All right. You click on miscellaneous and you have a subfolder and you click on that and you have a subfolder and you may click on another one. They have another subfolder and you have this drive. And it made me think of the lower conscience that We'll say, I'm not doing that anymore because of this. And you replace it. All right, well, you have this folder, but you have all, like if you went to your childhood, it would be like Sean, age eight, and you click on that January and then it has a subfolder and then it has a subfolder and a subfolder. It goes so deep that that's why it, it takes a lifetime that you're not going to be able to change all the programming, but just to realize it goes so deep and there's so many intricate things that only with faith in God can you actually see and dig into those folders and think, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know that was, Oh, I remember that. Gosh, I didn't realize that had an effect on me like it did because it isn't whatever is programmed will come out. And that's why you, we have smartphones. You have an app in there and you click on the app. The app is in the hard drive of it. And unless you change the programming of the app or whatever you put in it, it will come up. And I even found myself the other day getting, I got irritated at the computer that I was using for, cause it did a mistype. I was like, why does it keep doing that? And it just came to mind that, cause that's the way it's programmed. Our message is programmed to come up when that error takes place. Even if I didn't intend to do that, I was like, well, why does it keep giving the same uh, message in there? Well, because that's what's programmed. And it made me think of, and Josh actually mentioned this the other night that our battle was not against flesh and blood. You're talking to this person and what's coming up is the programming and that's what's coming up. That's the issue. But are we really, is it really a fight against that person programming? And that's why when Messiah can look at people that are doing those things to him, I'm seeing those file folders and how deep it goes. They don't know what they're doing. Just like with good morning, they don't even know why they're saying good morning. How in the world are they going to really know what they're doing to me? And because they don't know, it's not fair and just to bring judgment on them. So I'm not going to give them, you know, their hearts, you know, what's in the programming that it's in your hands. I'm not going to hold it against them. Now, if somebody was doing it with intention, we have another story, but the majority of people that the, the hard drive is going and stuff is just coming up on the screen and they don't even understand what it is. So I'm not going to blame them because they're, that they don't know what's happening in this. And that just helps me to have mercy and understanding for somebody else's what they're doing is they're acting out of their programming. They're not sitting there intentionally. Well, I'm going to do this to just get him irritated or now the enemy 
could work through somebody and say, Hey, I'm going to use this person to dig at, at you. And, and there's a reason, but the majority of people, they're out of their own selfishness because I found this with my job that I'll have a claim and, and you say you're going to pay for damage and Oh, everything turns around. And, oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, I'm sorry about what I said before. I was just, I was just upset. And, but you tell them you're not paying it and they, they, they start to raise their voice and they're, and I'll say, I'm ending the call now. Yeah, you better end the call. Okay. But then I've had times where we'll turn that around and yeah, just, yeah, I, I probably lost my head there. I just wanted to. And when they tell me that, it's like, you know what you did, but you're just trying to excuse yourself by saying, well, I probably got out of hand here or yeah, sorry to keep bothering you. So in your lower conscience, you're like, I know I'm bothering him. I'm just, I need the answer to the, the question, but it is, it's, it's, it's a help for us in faith that look, this person doesn't understand when they come to understand the truth, when they repent to God, there'll be times of refreshing from the Lord and cleansing. So they'll, they'll see it when, when their eyes are open, once they repent to God, but until then I'm going to work on myself. I'm not going to focus on this other person because if we think that by changing somebody else, that that'll help our contentment, no, because one, we can't change somebody else. All we can do is change ourselves so that we can have more contentment. And it's just coming to mind with this, that faith, the faith in Yah, the journey, and then being in faith is, that's what's being about when it says that there's a rest for the people of God. Well, that's circumcision of the heart. And that's where you can have contentment. That's where your rest is, is you knowing that you don't sin and that you live a life that's godly and yes, you're going to still struggle and have different things happen. And that's why it says to be careful to don't fall short of the grace of God. And what that is, is don't fall short of having circumcision of the heart, because if you do, then you're not going to have that true godliness and contentment. And that's how you can have the self-control because you have the ability to control what you put in and understand that now you're the master over sin as opposed to sin controlling you because if sin's controlling you then how are you going to have contentment because you're being controlled by someone else and that's the key thing is that what we do when we see things in other people is we use that to correct our behavior we, we use that as okay if i see it i must be doing it so let me dig in and figure out where I'm doing it. And it's interesting because just it's so uh, real the way you brought that out with the different folders because that explains how people will, in their conscious mind, will not be able to recall things that happened to them as a child uh, because in order for you to do that, you have to get into the hard drive. You have to get back in and you have to start digging and you pull up a folder and then you open that folder and then it's got a list of things. And then, okay, well, let me click on. And so people who have a uh, like tragedy and trauma that happened in their life, they can't figure out how to rectify that unless they face it. And in order to face it, you have to go in down into your hard drive and you have to pull up the folder and then the subfolder and then the subfolder. Because if it's buried beneath 10 subfolders and you're not even looking for it from the surface, then you're never going to see that thing that, that is holding you back. Uh, 
because you're not looking for it. And this is the whole uh, understanding is we want to know what's in our hard drive to the best of our ability. Uh, because you, you can't function without the subconscious. It's, it's an impossibility for you without the subconscious because the, it would again be like your computer functioning without the hard drive. It's not going to happen. You just have a, no, it wouldn't be a computer because it doesn't have a hard drive. So go ahead. Well, just add something on the folder aspect. This came to mind. Let's just say there's a folder and it just says anger. And yep. And I know, yeah, I get angry and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and then you click on it and ridiculed as a child comes up. Oh, and then you click on it in third grade when, oh my gosh, that's why I have resentment because I remember being on that playground and they left me out and I was so frustrated that the teacher didn't come and get me. So, wow. And I started resenting women because of that. And that's why every time a woman comes around, I get, oh my gosh, yeah, I think. And it just came to mind. That's what it takes is, or either you go down, you're at home and your mom left you on the corner. You didn't get picked up. And then you, and you, I didn't realize that that's why I'm so angry. Well, and that's the thing is, because a lot of those, when, when I used to do that, I'm like, I don't, what am I looking for here? Because, or, you know, show me where to go in the folder of, of this or resentment or frustration or happiness or whatever it is. And that's the, just glad that y'all brought this to mind because just something in the world that we can use that it goes so deep. And we mentioned defragmenting that that's what, faith in y'all allows us to get the folders in the right place in the right order there anger is okay it's good to have an anger folder and you click on it righteousness of god and okay well i'm going to get angry when it's something that's about an injustice according to god and then okay well that it's okay to get angry so it's not that we we take we don't want to do this we don't want to take anger and drag it into the recycle bin or the trash bin which I don't know anybody out there, if you used to have the old Apple computers, you could take the actual hard drive and drag it into the trash. Because uh, if I remember right, my, my wife, Crystal, actually did that one time that it was an accidentally you could drag the whole the whole desktop into the, the trash. And no, we're not saying get rid of everything. We wouldn't be able to function. So it's not like, no, I'm, no, I'm not going to get angry anymore. No, we don't want to take that folder and drag it into the recycle bin. No, get angry, but don't get angry based in all these other things, put that in the, the right order, because that's the thing is that that's why people have mental disorders. Well, it's good to have mental order. It's just, there's a disorder. So get, just want to add in, just add, get the folders lined up according to God and mother will help to get those folders lined up. And then that way you can have self-control because why do you say good morning? All right. The good morning folder. The reason I'm doing this is because I really want to know how you're doing and that's why I'm doing it. Okay. Well, that's in the folder and that's, that, that's fine to you. So if you don't know, then, all right, well, you got to dig into your folders and figure out why, because if you, if you do know what you're doing, then, okay, well, that's in order and everything's organized. So just wanted to interject that. Well, and ultimately is it, you say good morning because you want to have a good day, but you're going to start it off by telling everybody else that good morning so that you're convincing yourself that this is going to be a good morning. 
but then something happens and then all of a sudden you're all bent out of shape. Where'd that come from? And it's interesting because Paul speaks about contentment. Now we know that we have this aspect of contentment with godliness being great gain and knowing that you truly, your true contentment, there's a secret to being content. And Paul says, I've learned the secret to being content, whether in poverty or riches, in sickness, health, you know, feeling good, feeling, uh, feeling lousy, that there's a secret to contentment that he discovered that he could be at peace in a shipwreck at peace when a viper bit him on the hand, at peace when the people were trying to uh, beat him, and then he had to be carried to the barracks, and then before he went in, he raises his hand, and he has such a sense of peace to sit there and profess the truth to them one more time before they really had to get him into the barracks before the people got a hold of him. Uh, Why? Because he learned the secret of contentment. and. To seek contentment is trust God. The more you trust God, the more content you will be. The more you trust God, the more you will act on what God says. So not only will you be content, but you will be acting godliness. So you will have that contentment with godliness. Look at Paul. When he was at the barracks and he was and he stopped before they took him in, and he had that contentment with godliness, where they're sitting there trying to kill him, and he wasn't like uh, getting all bent out of shape because they're trying to kill him, and this is you're coming after me, and no, I'm going to use this to preach a, the gospel once again to give you an opportunity to. Turn but the truly the the secret to contentment is trust god when you trust god you will be content that's why if god's wives submit to your husbands why trust god so i'm content i, I have a sense of peace with submitting to my husband of your wives as Christ loved the church. Well, I'll have a peace about make that whatever I do, I'm doing it because it's the best thing, not because it makes her feel good. And yes, do I want her to feel good? Absolutely. But if something needs to be done or said because, or that doesn't feel good because correction is needed, then we need to talk about that. But that's not the objective goal. The objective goal is for me to learn and to live my life in that contentment and a a key to the fact that you're not content is, or you have to work more on building more content folders in your programming is that whenever you complain that is this complaint because of something somebody did against God 
Or is this complaint because somebody did something against me? If it's because of something somebody did against me, then I'm not entrusting myself to the one who judges justly. And if I don't trust God, then I'm going to not be content in certain areas. And this is the process of why, okay, you make a complaint. I pull up the complaint folder and start going through the subfolders and where where did I feel like I was justified in complaining? And well, because I feel like I'm, uh, I deserve these things. And if you feel like you deserve anything other than burning eternal, then you can't have the contentment because the contentment is, I don't have to have any concern of eternal burning. And therefore, what do I have to complain about? Now, I'll complain if so, if you're doing something that's inappropriate, according to God, and I then more than likely, I'll complain about that. And, hey, this is a complaint. You should be acting like that. Uh, but once I speak that, I don't hold on to it because it's not my issue anyway. If I hold on to it, then I need to dig into my own life and figure out where I'm doing it and get rid of the hypocrisy in the midst of it. And so this is just uh, this is just another big area that you have to trust God. But you're not going to just blanket trust God. You have to go through situations in your life that put you in a position of struggle for you to trust God. And then the next time the struggle will get a little bit more and it gives you a greater ability to trust God. No matter what situation you're in, no matter what it is, do you have the secret of contentment? Do you trust, even if you don't understand how it's going to work out, do you trust that God's going to take care of it? And if you do, then you have a peace that surpasses all understanding. That's what the contentment is all about because where people in the world are going frantic about things like we had with the whole COVID thing and people were going frantic and because uh, government places and other people were using the uh, COVID as a uh, aspect of fear. And when you install instill feel fear in people, you instill a, a uh, unstable mindset you, you you instability within the mind because now people are scared that they're going to die and they know that when they die they're going to face judgment and so you throw people into a mental turmoil but it's not those people's fault it's you for allowing it to affect you that way and if you trust god you know what if I die, I die. I'm not going to cater to what the people say, and I'm not going to cater to what the government says. I'm going to do what God says, and if God doesn't make it clear that I'm to do something, anything different, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to continue to live my life like I live my life, and I'm not going to let that bother me. A big thing is, is that if you've had the fear of God and you've become a friend, you don't have to fear anything anyway because punishment is removed for you. 
fear has to do with punishment. And so when that punishment has been removed, you have contentment. You have that great sense of contentment that, well, I don't have to worry about punishment. Uh, And the proof of that is uh, worked out through the fact that I know I don't sin. And therefore, I have that contentment that I'm going to be in the kingdom of God. And so every time I have a time where I start to complain, then I think about this and no, I'm not going to complain about this. I'm going to evaluate. Is this something that is worthy of complaining about from a godly perspective? And there's many times that people will, well, yeah, if it's wrong, then it's wrong and I'm going to complain. Yeah, but are you doing the same thing? If you don't see that you're doing the same thing and you're complaining about somebody else doing it, then you're just as bad as they are. And therefore you don't have the godliness. And so it is really important that people understand that the only way that you can have that true locked in contentment, and you spoke about it earlier, is having the fullness of faith in God. And even when you have the fullness of faith, you have to retrain your subconscious to recognize that you're allowed to have this contentment now, but you have to go through the process of removing the things that, that don't allow you to be content. And you keep putting in things that will allow you to be content. And so just, uh, again, we want people to know that if you're seeking God with all of your heart, if you want contentment, the key to that is trusting God. And that's why, again, Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Trust in God, you will have contentment. Trust in self, and you will have uh, continued sorrow because things are not going, you're going to, wow, yeah, I feel good, I feel good. And then all it takes is somebody to do one thing, and then all of a sudden you're completely different and having a lousy day instead of, no, I'm not going to let things that happen in my day affect me like that. And I have the ability to do that. And the contentment truly, the the secret to contentment that Paul had was he was trusting God and his objective goal was to trust God in any and every situation. I don't understand. I don't understand. And therefore, I'm not going to... uh, agree with it. No, I, I, if I don't understand, I don't understand, but I'm still going to be okay with it because God will make it clear what the right thing is. I was just sitting there and I got some information on the way the actual scripture reads and goes along with what Yah is teaching us where Paul says that where you talked about, he learned the secret to being content and absolutely true. What was spoken um, is trust in God. The way the the wording is, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And what it doesn't mean is that while you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior and then Messiah is doing it all, no, the wording of it is very particular. I can do all things through Messiah who strengthens me. What he's saying is through you following and walking as he did, 
you come to where Messiah is in you. And like he says, it's not I that do it, but, but Messiah that's in me. So when the fullness of faith comes, you have the fullness of deity and bodily form. You are in Messiah. So you are Messiah on earth. Therefore it's because of you seeing his example and you trusting in God that that's how you're able to do it. This is not a blanket that, well, Messiah does it for you and you just trust. It's like you said, it's not a blanket trust and then everything just goes away and a Messiah's doing it all. No, but you walking the faith and doing what's appropriate is you remaining in him and he gives you the strength and the strength is no, he went through this. He suffered. I'm called to the same thing and I'm okay with it. That that's where you get the strength of God because he even pleaded with God, you know, God, please just take this thorn in the flesh away. Take, just take it away. So I don't have any capability to do anything dysfunctional. No, no. The fact that I've taken sin out of your heart and you don't sin anymore and you can be content with that, that that's sufficient for you. So work out your salvation with fear and trembling, work on your lower conscience, get what's dysfunctional out, put the godly in that, no, you've got enough work to do that. The fact that I've brought that about is, is sufficient for you. And that's, it, it's, I was saying about this is that trust in God involves seeing things and not seeing things. And I'll, I'll explain what I mean. That when you read the word of God, you have to have faith, which is you have to trust to even seek after God. And you look at God's truth and you know, I'm going to do these things because the word of God says it. I want to do it. So you trust God and you do those things. But then when you wait on the Lord, as the word says, you waiting doesn't mean that you don't do anything. It means that you do your part and you mount up on wings like eagles, meaning that you trust God and you're going to soar. And when God does what they're, we know God will do their part when they do what they do it, but I'm not going to be concerned about God's part. I'm going to be concerned about mine and I'm going to do what's right. And therefore I'm going to mount myself up in my mind and be steadfast to do what is right. And God will do their part when they do their part. I'm not going to be concerned about that. I'm, I'm going to handle that. And ju it just made me think of that. A lot of people can read that and say, well, you see, you made the decision. So to, that Jesus just gives you the strength and no, it's you walking the gospel message. It's you walking. He did where you get strength from God because you get trust from God in him. And therefore you do what is right. And therefore that's where your strength comes is by walking in the faith and, and trust. So this isn't a blanket that God just does it. Cause we had a recent podcast on that. What does God do for you that no, God doesn't trust for you. God gives you the ability to trust them and therefore they will trust you. And that's where you get your strength from because you trust God. Then God will trust you. So therefore you draw near to God and then you get the strength by your, meaning that you've got to trust God first in order to be strengthened. You don't just get this blanket strength that's just given to you because then that way there's no faith. And just for clarification, the way God will give you the, the aspect of trust is that they will, they will conduct themselves in a way to be trustworthy. They're not going to hand it to you. You're just going to one day, Oh, I'm, I trust God. No, you have to go through a process of learning and understanding how to trust God. Uh, but it will build you to a place of just like Noah, build an ark. Okay. Well, you haven't seen rain fall from the sky, but rain's going to fall from the sky. So he trusted God that 
God was going to do what he said he was going to do. So he built the ark and he, because of it, Abraham, when uh, he was offering his son Isaac on the altar, same concept that he was offering himself on the altar for what reason? Well, because I trust God. I've consigned in my mind that God has the ability to raise the dead, and therefore I'm going to trust that I'm going to put the uh, my son up on the altar, and God has the ability to bring him back to life, but I trust God, that, that trust in that perspective. And uh, Joshua, to cross the Jordan, Abraham going into the uh, God taking him into different lands and uh, telling him that your descendants are going to have this land, but he didn't obtain it at all. He trusted, and therefore he had that contentment within the midst of it. And uh, because their contentment is what gave them the strength to do the things that they were doing. Joshua crossing over the Jordan uh, to take over the land that, no, this is what God said to do. He didn't stop because, oh, well, we got to wait till flood stages down so we can get across this river. No, when God said go, he went. Why? Because he trusted God was going to clear the path. He didn't know how, but okay, take the Levites and have them take the ark and step into the river. And they did. And it, it dried up and it backed up the at flood stage and so many different times and you know even messiah having the, that uh contentment and then the disciples and then paul and learning to have that same contentment you know why was messiah i uh, content with being crucified and hung on a cross because he knew he he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly and that is the key to contentment is that you entrust yourself to the one who judges justly that he will do what is right according to you and here's the thing if you want people to trust you it's not fair for you to expect them to blanket trust you rather than just as God does, that when you prove that you're trustable, that you have the ability to be trusted, that you're trustworthy, then people will trust you. As long as you say things out of your mouth, that you you make promises that you don't fulfill, people aren't going to trust you. They can't trust you. And it's not their fault. It's not their problem because you didn't fulfill what you said you were going to do. You made promises to do these things and you didn't do them. And then you, then you get mad because somebody doesn't trust you. Well, yeah, okay. I'll do that for you. And they're like, "Are, are you really, are you really going to do it? Well, why don't you trust me? Well, because you've haven't proven trustworthy and that's the thing trustworthiness is not does not belong to the person that trusts you it belongs to you and if you prove you're not trustworthy why should somebody trust you god has proven trustworthy 
that every time you fulfill a stipulation for what they've offered, you get the promise. That That's a fact of it. They're trustworthy. They prove it time and time again. Now, if you don't fulfill the stipulation, you're not going to get the, the promise because that's that's not on their part. That's on yours. You didn't fill the stipulation. But if you fill the stipulation, they will do what they said they will do. And so it's the the true secret of contentment is you trusting God in any and every situation that they know what's going on, they know what you're going through, and if you have faith in God, well, if this is my lot and my portion, if this is, we've talked about that recently, uh, that I'm going to trust that God knows what they're doing. I'm not going to lean on my understanding, what I think about it. No, I'm going to trust God because God is trustworthy. And then if I want people to trust me, then my objective goal is to prove that I am trustworthy. Uh, It's just like respect. If you want to be respected, that's not everybody else's responsibility to just respect you. No, when you prove that you're somebody who is able to be respected, then you will get respect. Not everybody will respect you because not everybody's going to agree with your lifestyle or with with what you do. But to you, it won't matter because you know that you uh, have ownership of that. And so it, it is really important, again, that trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean on their understanding. And their understanding is that if you trust in them, you'll be content. And that content, by definition, is a place of peace. That that you're comfortable. That God's in control. Especially in situations that you know in your human condition that you cannot control. So if I trust God, then I know they have the the power to override whatever my thoughts are, and they have the power to override uh, not really what my thoughts are, but what my what the outcome is of whatever the situation that I'm in. But my trust is, is that whatever the outcome of it is, it's in accordance with their will. And therefore, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to leave it in their hands and I'm going to, God, you know what's going on. You make it clear to me if there's something I need to do. And if not, I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to leave it in your hands. Uh, and that's a huge aspect of the the contentment with godliness is that you are trusting that God is God. They know what they're doing. And if you have faith in God, 
Why are they going to just desert you? They're not. So if you're going through something, you're going through it for a reason. And are you going to let whatever it is you're going through uh, stunt your your salvation, stop you from uh, growing because you don't understand? No. No, because with the faith in God, that's what faith is. It's trust God. You have faith in God means you have trust in God. You have trust that God is who they say they are and that they will do what they said they will do. If I do my part, if I fulfill the stipulation, then they will do what they've said that they're going to do. But I must, like you said, must do our part and not sit back and think that God's going to do it for you. God's going to change your heart. God's going to change your actions. God's going to change no, that's all stuff that you have to do, and you do it to prove yourself trustworthy to God, because you want God to trust you, then you have to prove to God you're trustworthy, that you're worthy of their trust, and when you do, they will be content with you, just as you will be content with them, and you will be content with all situations that come your direction, whether you understand them or not, whether they feel good or not, it doesn't matter. You will be in the mindset that God is in control. I am not. They have the ability to pull me out of the situation that I'm in, but if they don't, then I know they have a reason why. And even if I never know the reason, I'm going to be okay with it. And Phil, from my part this morning, I'll, um, I'll share this on the file folders and this is, well, and we've had this, you know, when y'all will bring some to your attention, they'll have you, I'll give you an example. Have you set your heart in this? And you'll, well, there'll be that silence. And when you hear that silence that you know that you haven't done it just, and I'll just give an example. Have you set your heart that you're not going to be trusting in feelings, but you're going to rely on the blessing and the knowing, not on the feelings? It just came to mind as what Yah does is because of discovery. They will bring that to set your mind. They're giving you the file folder. Now you take that folder now. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that's, well, I'm going to, all right, well, I'm going to set my mind in that because then you can start going down into the because it made me think of if they bring this to you where you're doing this as a kid and you're, I don't, I don't understand. Or, and not that they, they could bring whatever they want to bring to, but it just came to mind. A lot of times what they'll do is they'll give you a, well, have you set your mind that you're not going to let things bother you? No, I haven't. Okay. And then now you can, all right, do you see in this subfolder how this bothered you and this subfolder how this bothered you? Well, I'm not doing that again. Okay. So you can see, so just the, the beauty of Yah is they're giving you a topic or a file folder that's got a lot in it. But if you're not seeing what the, the subject is, like let's say if it would be like anger, godliness, frustration, patience, if you don't see that folder, then you're not even going to know what to look for. So they're giving you like the, here's the information, go to the library and pick that book out. So now you can start digging. So just, just really neat that the, this concept of the computer that there's so many subfolders 
and and they will give you information and that's the thing so yah has given us a big folder giving us repentance and obedience and trust well but there's a lot more to it than just this little folder you've got subfolders of repentance and subfolders that go in obedience and then it goes back to here and it goes back to here and it it goes all over the place so yah has just given us they just give us such a a wide range of information because trust is a folder and <laughs> how much work is well i've got to click on this folder and the same thing with the podcast here. If we think that, well, nothing's really coming to mind. Well, no, there, there's some subfolders and all these and they go deeper. So you have plenty of stuff to, to talk about. So just wanted to, that, that was given to me that just to, if, when y'all bring something to mind, yeah, set your mind in it, but then be looking for, all right, how deep this is, this go, what can I look for uh, in this? Well, and that is a good place for us to, end for this morning and uh, just want to remind people that if you do want to contact us you can contact us through AOL hidden treasures revealed at AOL.com or uh, through messenger on Facebook uh, hidden treasures revealed any questions any comments uh, we'd be happy to um, bring them up on a podcast and talk about them. If you have any ideas of questions that either people couldn't or wouldn't answer for you when it comes to faith, uh, we'd be happy to field those questions and see what mother brings about about them. So for this morning, for Sean and myself, we're going to sign off and Lord willing, we will be back at this on Tuesday evening at 730 and just interested to see what topic Mother will bring up to let us see. So everybody have a good weekend and seek God with all of your heart. Thank you for joining us today on Hidden Treasures Revealed. We want to leave you with this thought. The greatest treasure in life and especially in faith, is discovery. If we try to convince you of things, you may gain head knowledge, but if we let you discover things, you will have heart knowledge to know and understand and be able to give a good answer for the faith that you have. Treasure hunters seek treasure nonstop. Seek the treasure of God through conversation with them and through their word. Ask seek and knock. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Seek the hidden treasure of God and you will be blessed by it.